Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to a new edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined from U.S. Bank Stadium after the Vikings' 31-28 loss to the Dallas Cowboys by Jim Suhan and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. Uh, and this is a special edition of the Vikings podcast because it's one where my microphone goes out right away. So we'll listen to Ben and Jim break down this loss. And guys, we had them penciled in for three straight wins right out of that three-game winning streak, didn't we? The reason they are where they are has happened in this building. I mean, that's not something that has happened to them really in the life of this stadium. And certainly we we know that the fans make an awfully big difference. And they have had defenses that have thrived on that. But, man, it it's striking to see where they are with home games. I mean, it, you, you look at the losses to Tennessee, this one, uh, certainly the ones at the beginning of the season to the Falcons and the Packers. Uh, whether it's either not showing up or blowing leads, the reason they are with their backs against the wall is because they have not been able to win at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, I'm not shocked they're four and six, but if you had told me at the beginning of the season they were going to win at Green Bay and at Chicago and still be four and six, then I'd be surprised. Um, you know, and I did. I thought they'd win the next three, and then we'd see how good they were when it came to playing at Tampa Bay and New Orleans, and they just lost. 31-28 to a backup quarterback at home, and that shouldn't happen. And a coach, we should add, that knows Andy Dalton very well. He coordinated defenses that practiced against Andy Dalton for, I think, three years in Cincinnati. So you know, not only is it a backup quarterback, it's a backup quarterback with whom he's very well acquainted. Yeah, and we could nitpick the offense, this turnover, that, you know, that breakdown, that penalty, whatever. But they produced 28 points. They produced a massive amount of yards. And they did it with guys taking huge hits and continuing to play. This is a defensive loss. And, you know, hey, let's, we can't get a really around it. Maybe if Chris Jones makes that tackle or tries to make tries. that tackle. Tries, good grief. Tries to make that tackle, that's the game. Yeah, I mean, part of it is that, yes, they have been devastated with injuries. In there, but, but we weren't saying that six days ago when they won at Chicago. We're saying it today because we had a guy not try to make a tackle. I mean, there there are a lot of teams in the NFC, especially that just are okay, yeah. and and that's what they are. I mean, they they're in a kind of stuck in the middle. Would they be there if they had Anthony Barr? If they had Daniel Hunter? If they had Michael Pierce? Probably not. I, I don't. I think they'd be maybe on the higher end of the middle than the lower end of the middle. Right. But you look at the NFC and. There are, I mean, Green Bay blew a, a lead on the road against Indianapolis today in a game that could have quieted a lot of the doubters they have about whether they can beat anybody that's any good. And I mean, you look at it, it it's kind of hard to sit there and say that anybody in the NFC is going to be able to challenge what you see in the AFC. But they're, they're beyond the teams that have fashioned impressive records, there's a lot of teams in the middle. And that's, I think, kind of just where the Vikings are. Absolutely, and uh, and what you know what the one and five start meant was they had no margin for error and they couldn't afford to have any more of these games. And this is this we might look back at this one and say, okay, that was where the season, the competitive portion of the season, really ended. I mean, they're not going to be mathematically out of for out of it for quite a while, but they they had to win this one again at home against a backup quarterback, a two and seven team, and you know they've been kind of piecing it together defensively, right? 
and today they just didn't. I mean, 31 points is inexcusable in this situation. Well, and, you know, the three-game win streak was fun. And they a win against Green Bay at Lambeau Field, a win against the Bears at Soldier Field. Those are buildings where they've struggled a lot. I mean, Green Bay more recently, the Bears, you know, Soldier Field for an awfully long time. And they're, they're different in the sense that there's no fans, just as U.S. Bank Stadium is different because there's no fans. But the degree of latitude they received after that three-game win streak where it was sort of assumed that they're going to go on a run is probably somewhat because there's equity with the coaching staff, there's equity with some guys on offense, but this is also, I'm turning the spotlight on just the relationship with the media in this town a little bit, it's a town that is fairly willing to give teams the benefit of the doubt, and is this a team that should earn the benefit of the doubt? I I think that's a fair question to ask. I I bring it up because there's a very good chance they win next week, and they beat the Jaguars and they're six and six, and we can do the okay if they, if they win out. Let's see where they end up mathematically. I mean, you're probably going to hear and see and you know listen to or read some of that if they get to six and six. And and I you know you never know what's going to happen, but I think a lot of that needs to come with the caveat of when they've had opportunities to help themselves, they do things like this and. The burden of proof is on them before they are given the expectation that they're going to be able to go on a run to get anywhere. Well, we're going to talk about expectations and things like that and the way they're treated. This this is a classic Viking season in a lot of ways in that they're kind of passive aggressive, right? They want once you come down on them hard, they will rally and win a couple of games or get themselves back. But they're not going to win the big one. They're just going to they're going to play well enough to keep their jobs. They're going to keep well enough to keep you for to make you nervous about criticizing them. But oh, see, you guys thought we couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. They're great. They're great at that win. Oh, you think we're going to get fired if we're going to beat the Saints? We're going to beat the Saints. And then we're going to get destroyed in San Francisco. You know, it's uh, they have so many kind of in-your-face wins. Everybody said all week, Kirk Cousins tenure, is on Monday Night Football. And so few really meaningful wins in this tenure. Yeah, yep. And I guess when it comes down to Kirk Cousins, you bring up Cousins. I didn't think he played poorly in this game. No, he no, played really well. He played well. The guy made a great play to rip the ball out of his hands, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like he was carrying the ball loosely. So talk about how- I'm very happy to rip Cousins when I think he deserves it. He played great today. Yeah. And he has had – good months for this team. He's had even a good season for this team. I mean, it's not like he's not capable. It's not that he won't go on runs like this. It's that, you know, the, like you said, the Falcons game is inexcusable. That's the one he should get ripped for, not anything that happened today. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's been a rough run for the uh, Rick Spielman special teams draft picks, whether it's uh, Blair Walsh, uh, Daniel Carlson, um, uh, Corey Viedvik is not a, a draft pick. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, Jeff Locke. I guess you go back to that, and that's that predates Zimmer, but his his run ended certainly with Zimmer, and then now Austin Cutting. Who knows? I I, I think if you lose your job to a, a midweek practice squad addition, the odds of your getting your job back are not terribly high. Yeah, uh, and it also doesn't it feel like and it's a hard thing to prove, but we, you know we've all been around this team for a long time now. It just feels like Zimmer, he's not going to rip his defensive coaches publicly. He's not going to rip his defensive players publicly. Who's he going to pick on? He's going to pick on the offensive coordinator if he doesn't like him. He likes Kubiak. Uh, he's going to pick on special teamers. 
He's going to pick on, uh, I guess that's pretty much it, right? Special, teamer, special teamers and his offensive coaches. Those are his targets if things aren't going right. Yes, he did it to Chris Boyd. Oh, not for, it was for special teams issues, yeah, but it's kind of, yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's true. You're right. It's hard to see that it's going to fix it because, I mean, it, it's been, we've seen it on field goals. We've seen it on punt coverage. We've seen it on punt returns. I mean, punt coverage again today, that last drive was only 61 yards because CeeDee Lamb had a 20-yard return. I mean, if they're starting from their own 20 and not the 40, it's probably a different story. So it's been that. It's Dan Chisena last week on the touchback that probably shouldn't have been if he had kind of been able to keep his whereabouts around him and not stepped into the end zone there. It's It's been just about every phase of special teams at one point or another, and it's hard to say that there's going to be one move that I think is going to fix it. So when they're that deep-seated, some of that is – you're really young and you have a lot of guys that are playing in those roles because they're new to the roster, but you have to wonder if uh, there's going to be a change made there at some point after the season. All right, guys, before we break for this podcast, um, I think we should talk at least a little bit about Dalvin Cook puts together another this 30 touch game. For it, him? Yes. This is his third 30 touch game of the year. 27 third carries. Third in the last four weeks, I think. Yes, that's correct. Third this month. Yeah. Um, 27 carries and I think five catches, including the one where he fumbled after he got rocked. And I assume was going, they never announced it, but I assume he was going through a concussion examination there on the sideline. Yeah, he got hit. The last few weeks, I mean, there was one, he got smoked on a, on a pass protection, I think on one play, he had a hard chip on somebody and then got drilled as he came out of the backfield to kind of catch the check down on the same play. So yeah, he's taken a number of shots and we've seen him slow to get up a couple of times here in the last couple of weeks. And yeah, for a guy that they are, I mean, there is no pretense of we're going to split time anymore. This is, we are going to ride him as far as he can take us. And, you know, it's a fair question. If, if this gets to a point where you don't have a chance, do you start to pull back on the workload because you, I mean, you can talk about we're, we're trying to win every game, but is there some sense in dialing it back with him just enough so that it doesn't take the same toll? Because he's signed really through 2022 at least. I mean, it, the, the way they structured that makes it so that there's more money on the back end of that deal than they probably would typically do it. They had to get some things with the base salary next year to make it low enough and that meant a bigger signing bonus and that means he's here longer well this also you know i i've heard a lot of people saying oh, okay look at the way he's played he justified the contract well you signed him big money long term for two reasons you thought he'd stay healthy and productive and you thought he would be the catalyst for big winning winning if you if you go seven and nine and he and by the end of the year, he's all beat up. I'm not sure you can say that, oh, great sign. I mean, when you put that much money on a running back, you better keep him healthy, he better be productive, and he better help you win. Otherwise, I'm not sure we can jump up and down about the contract yet. The contract can't be judged in its entirety until a couple of years from now. I, I mean, this year was going to be the year that you figured he's going to be at his best, and he certainly could be for a couple of more years. But I don't think you can say, yep, Slam dunk, they did the right thing until you're sitting there in 2022 and he's still worth the money and he's still healthy and, 
and all of that. And I, you're I think winning. That's where it goes you know, from. I mean, you don't yeah. pay a running back to finish seven and nine. Right. You pay a running back because you think he makes the difference. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>